Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Crypto News Podcast. We are buzzing as always, still coming in hot from Mexico, and I'm super pumped to have today's guest on the show, coming in hot from New York City, the best city in and on the planet. Not even up for discussion, folks. New York is the absolute goat. Part of me wishes I was there, but story for another day. Super pumped to have Rob Solomon on the show today, the co-founder at Demo, an open connected vehicle platform. Guys, I can't wait to get into this. We are going to get buzzing on everything D-PIN related and how these guys are truly connecting the future of mobility. Super pumped. Got to finish the bio though. Rob's background is in finance, investing, and organizational design. Most recently, he worked at Consensus. Yes, the Consensus we all know, the largest Ethereum-focused development company. And he focused on finance, internal economics, and decentralizing the organization. Prior to that, he was at Vroom, a pioneer in the online used car marketplace sector. He started his career at the downtown project in Las Vegas, a spinoff of Zappos.com, working on corporate finance investments and implementing holacracy. Rob, super pumped to have you on. How you doing, my friend? Pumped to have you. Good. Yeah, you got it. You got it all there. RIP uh, Vroom's e-commerce business. They shut it down, I think, two days ago. Not selling used cars online anymore. Two days ago, they shut it down. Yeah, end of an era for them. Yeah, how how crazy was the used car boom when COVID hit? When used cars were going for like a couple grand less. That than was funny. Rents? Well, that's it's the supply chain. You you, you kind of see what happens with housing, with cars, or anything like that. When uh, when you have populations growing, people spending, and uh, supply chains breaking down. So, so you, yeah, have you always not, been a? If you, obviously, you guys are you know you're working in the web space right now in the car biz, and you have a history in the car biz. You big car guy. I like cars. You know, someday I want to have a project car. Like you buy like one of those, like, you know, 91 Ford Bronco, whatever, Toyota 4Runner and like paint it, fix it up, make it nice. I would love to do that someday, but I've always been, honestly, I've been a little bit more of a point A to point B guy. And Vroom was just a good opportunity to join at a really interesting time at a startup in a great position. I followed somebody over from from Zappos, uh, from Vegas to New York to, to work there. And I wasn't Sure, I would actually use the automotive experience again, but it's super useful with Timo. So, um, yeah, everything makes sense when you look, you know, hindsight. Yeah, and you look back, all the dots connect pretty well, and you have room plus consensus uh, equals Demo is a pretty good, uh, pretty good path there. Yeah, nice little, uh, nice little synergy. What was it like working at the downtown project in Vegas, which was a spinoff of Zappos? I've again, I don't know anyone. Yeah, I guess you're the first lad I've, I've ever met who who's worked at Zappos, but I've heard some crazy corporate culture stories working at Zappos. Do you have any good stories to tell us? Honestly, yeah. And it was the first job out of college. It was, we kind of got spoiled. Like, you know, we heard all about the culture there. It seemed fine. But then you kind of go on. It's not that Vroom and Condensa had bad culture, but like you kind of realize later on how special that that place kind of, you know, was or maybe still is. I, 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 I'm not as uh, plugged in there anymore. But um, you know, Tony Shea is the CEO of Zappos. Uh, he passed away a few years ago, but genuinely really great guy. I got to know him pretty well while I was there. Um, really great intentions, super smart guy. And so what he did is he wanted to move Zappos from the suburbs to downtown Vegas. Downtown Vegas didn't have much of a uh, residential or even like, you, you really had no reason to go down there unless you're going to the old strip. And he invested like half a billion dollars of his own money to just try to, and it wasn't just like apartments and grocery stores. It was like, you know, cool cultural events and schools and health clinics and all kinds of stuff. So I was working on that and 
At the same time, he implemented Holacracy at the Downtown Project and Zappos, and I was part of the team working on that. It's the idea of like decentralized organizations and managerless organizations and all that kind of stuff. And there's, I have some, we can talk about that management structure if you'd like, but I think there's some real issues with Holacracy specifically, but decentralized organizations as a, as a concept is really cool. And I think it can work, just maybe not um, exactly the way we were trying to do it. Um, and that's what, you know, that's why when I was at Vroom and I came across the ethereum.org website and I was reading about DAOs and identity and whatever, I thought, okay, you know, I like Vroom, but I want to spend the rest of my life working on this stuff because this is, you know, I, I can see the benefit to building systems on blockchains. The smart contracting is too cool. You know, there's again, like, you know, DAOs are still a little bit premature or, yeah. Uh, immature, I guess, and like the way that they're operating. But long term, there's a lot here, and so I was going to meetups, met a bunch of folks from Consensus, and worked there for four years. I mean, that's everyone. It's crazy, like the consensus. I feel like the consensus blanket of founders is almost similar to like the PayPal mafia, where it's like so many incredible crypto, Web three, blockchain companies have founders that. Did a little stint at Consensus. Um, yeah, I mean, what? if you were, you know, if you were in the space at the time, it was like one of the best places to go. It was a great environment. Like there was a lot of resources and smart people there. And yeah, also just like a numbers game. Like a lot of people worked at Consensus. We, you know, when I was interviewing, That's there true. was like 250 people there. When I actually joined, there was like 400. A couple of months later, there was like 1,500. You know, it was like pretty wow. quickly. And yeah, and a, a lot of respect for like you know, like Tony you know, Shea from Zappos. Joe has a lot in common. Brilliant guy, really nice guy. Yeah. Still really supportive of everything they do over there. And yeah, actually, they invested in our last round too. So happy to be back in their um, ecosystem a little bit. I love that. I want to keep buzzing on DAOs for a bit here, Rob. This is something that, again, I, I don't know where I stand in this regard because I see the use case, I see the utility, I see how powerful it can one day become. But just to sort of fortify your point a couple of minutes ago, it's like we still haven't seen a whole lot of present day magic when it comes to DAOs. Very choppy. Perhaps the tech isn't good enough. Yep. Perhaps the organizational structure isn't good enough. The communication flows, the sync, everything, the workflows. You're way more in tune to this than I am. Like, what can we do to actually make DAOs a thing? And if yeah. I hate to be the timeline guy, but how sort of far out are we from actually seeing DAOs really? work magic and organizations as a whole. Yeah, I don't think it's necessarily a technological limitation. I do kind of think it's a bit of a systems design thing. I have a very specific take on this, which is, um, so so with Holacracy, the idea is no managers, right? Yeah. Um, for, any, for any system to work, like whether it's a corporate system, a village, a country, whatever, like you need to be able to amplify good ideas, suppress bad ideas. I, I don't mean like, censor them, like arrest people. I mean, like if you open up a bad restaurant, it will lose money and it will go out of business naturally. You know, yeah. like you suppress bad things, you amplify good things, you create incentives to do good things. There's positive feedback, you know, the right feedback loops. Resources are allocated appropriately. And the things that the system wants to produce, like should have some incentive and way to like emerge, right? And at a normal corporation, that is done where you know, at the top level, direction is set. Resources are allocated from the kind of executive level down to teams. You know, like a big budget yep. goes to the marketing team and a smaller budget goes to the 
ads team and a smaller budget goes to the Instagram ads, you know. So, and then, and everybody's kind of responsible for metrics flowing back up and that's the way you do it at a corporation. And the limitation that we're kind of sensing into with Zappos and Tony was sensing into is like, that's a, that works great. You know, you can run a village with 15 people and a chief who goes like, you guys get food, you guys get shelter, you guys get clothes. Um, <laughs> and I'll make sure everybody is pulling their weight and you know, yeah. everything will be fine. You can run a, a, an economy like that at that scale. You can run a company like that, you know, up to a thousand people. The issue is like, you can't run a country like that, right? You can't have like the, the, the president appoint the head of agriculture, appoint the head of you know, this, that, Bingo. and then you go all the way down and then you have like that person managing the people making bread and then the president makes sure everyone's sharing. Like it doesn't, doesn't scale. So what decentralized orgs attempt to do is push decision-making to the people doing the actual work and kind of decentralize the org a bit. The issue is though, if you don't also have these feedback loops on resource allocation and you don't have a way for kind of like the incentives to exist for people to do the right things, then you just end up with like, you know, disaster of a, of a program. So I think about DAOs and what could make them more effective. I, I, I draw a lot of inspiration from free markets. So, and I was trying to do this at consensus a little bit and, and then, you know, there was some restructuring and then I left. So we didn't get a chance to kind of fully play this out, but part of what I was trying to do there and, and part of what I was working, still consulting, you know, after the fact with Zappos on was this idea of creating internal markets at a company. So if you have a shared service like marketing, for example, that's like at consensus was helping, you know, 20 different spokes, different startups within consensus. The idea would be that they would all get funded as startups and they would pay the internal marketing team, you know, in some type of like internal, you know, consensus dollar. And that would count, you know, towards their budget. Mm. And that's also how you hold the marketing team accountable. Like they are providing services to other kind of groups within this ecosystem. And it makes the, you know, DAO in that case, more of a, more of like an economy than than a interesting big blob. So that's 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 kind of the direction I was trying to take it in. That's that's one way to do it. Um, I worry about any type of organization that doesn't have, you know, strict feedback loops and and intelligent ways of allocating resources and aligning incentives. Um, so it doesn't have to be that way, but there needs to be something for that, or else it won't work. Rob, we got to jump right into demo here, the bread and butter of the show. Three hundred episodes in here, more than three hundred episodes. Rarely do we get real-world use cases. So when this came across the desk, for lack of better terms, this is tickled my fancy. It's got me going. I'm not a huge car guy cool. myself. Obviously, I have a whip. Not yep. here in Mexico. But when I first learned about Demo, I was like, this is so freaking cool. And the use case is so massive. This could truly be a game changer. Um, I'm not even going to try to explain it because you can do a much better job than me. I got to throw the ball over to your court. Let's start with sort of the just high level. Give us the elevator pitch, the TLDR on Demo, and then we'll get into all the nitty gritty stuff. Yeah, it's a connected vehicle platform that uses blockchain. And the, one of the coolest things about this, and I think why people should be really excited about it, is blockchain happens to be what makes it possible. We're not, it's not blockchain for blockchain's sake. Like we're, we're making cars smarter. We're, we're, we're building a platform for anybody to build really sophisticated, interesting things for your car. You might have like a smart doorbell, a smart home speaker, you know, you have a smartphone, but your car is still like a landline, you know, more or less in terms of its technological sophistication. Maybe you have a car that lets you download an app that lets you like unlock it remotely, but like, you know, that's, that's Tesla's better. Tesla, I would say like if, if a normal car is a landline and then, and a, you know, a newer Ford is like a, a flip phone, uh, Tesla's like a Blackberry 
but we're, we're building the iPhone here, right? So we're going to make it possible for your insurance company, your bank, um, for social applications, whatever, to build applications for your car. That means no more going to the DMV. That means selling your car in an open seat style NFT marketplace. It means you can share Ugh. your car with somebody. It means, um, it means someone could build smart insurance where you pay per mile. Um, you could join an online digital, you know, uh, club for Porsche owners, whatever, you know, whatever applications people want to build uh, for drivers. We've got 35,000 cars connected today. We'll have millions and millions, not too distant future. And if you want to build an app for those cars, doesn't matter what automaker they are, any car 2008 and up, you can quickly build an app on top of the demo platform and deploy it. So yeah, like in a, in a, in a big way, you kind of see like, you know, in some countries they skipped from building landlines directly to mobile phones, right? Or smartphones. And like they, you know, kind of like skip that generation of technology. Automotive never even really upgraded itself to web two. And I think a lot of that's because like the industry is so fragmented. Like, you know, biggest automakers, the biggest automakers have like in the teens percent of the cars in the road. Like Toyota's like 14% of cars on the road. Most of them are single digit. Tesla's like two, three percent. Um wild. And so hyper fragmented across the automakers. And then even crazier is like there's no vertical integration either. There's like different dealerships. It's like, you know, Ralph's Chevy of Western New York. It's a bunch yeah. of different mechanics, a <laughs> bunch of different banks, a bunch of different insurance companies. Industry is so fragmented. They've never been able to like agree on digital identity for vehicles. It's still just like the VIN. It's still like faxing documents. It's still going in person to places. You go buy a used car. There's a car, there's a used car salesman like calling up banks, you know, negotiating prices. You're not getting, you get insurance once. You probably never try to get new insurance again for six years um, yeah. until you get your next car, right? And why can't you like, get new insurance policies in real time, get new loans in real time. Why can't you sell your car with all of its, you know, verified vehicle history? Why can't you share that with whoever you want? So that's what we're building. Um, and yeah, and the reason, as I mentioned, like blockchain is important for that. Not so we can justify, hey, we're a blockchain company, pay attention to us and fund us, you know, VCs. It's because if you want all these different participants, you know, Toyota, SunTrust Bank, Geico, whoever, to all trust this platform and want to build on it. It has to be trustless. It has to be neutral. It has to be an actual protocol and not just like an API service offered by a traditional Web2 company that could just like cut your access off at any point. Um, So that's why we're building it that way. We actually started with a problem and um, and, and found blockchain is the answer. Whereas I think a lot of, you know, some projects start with like, what can we do in blockchain? And so apply it to something. And we started, you know, we started very much with with a goal in mind first and identify the blockchain was the right way to do it. So at a high level, that's what we're building. As I mentioned, 35,000 cars connected. Anybody with a car 2008 and up can connect today. If you have a car that has a subscription already, like if you have the Ford Pass app or the Tesla app, you can probably log in, depending on your region, depending on which subscription it is, to our app and connect for free. That will mint an NFT of your car. If not, um, we sell a device. We sell two devices. This is the bigger, more expensive one. There's a smaller one that runs on the Helium network, the LoRaWAN uh, Helium network. That's a hundred bucks. Um, they're both sold out now, but coming back in stock soon. You can pre-order them and connect any car 2008 and up that way. That one that was incredible too. I have six gajillion questions, so I'm gonna have to choose wisely here because you know we only have a certain amount of time. Let's start with the little device. What exactly is that device? What does it do? Where do you plug it in? 
And just yeah. as a follow up to that, like, how do all the cars talk to themselves? How do they talk to each other? How do they? How do you guys pull data from the cars to you know enrich the data set and and give the feedback yeah. that everyone's looking for? And I, I, yeah, I can only go so deep on this as as the non technical blockchain founder. I should say the other you know the other founders. Our CEO comes from Waymo and Transdev. Our CTO um, worked at Ford, Mitsubishi, Volkswagen, GM, connected vehicles, autonomous vehicles. So, yeah, really great, you know, fit for the type of thing that we're doing. Our COO comes from Chainalysis. So, um, and they could speak much more eloquently to how this works. But think of this as like uh, it's almost like a hardware wallet, um, like a treasure, treasure or ledger um, with a Raspberry Pi in it and secure elements. So it has a wallet. Um, and this plugs into uh, the OBD port in your vehicle. Every car has one. We're actually helped massively by uh, federal right to repair law and standardization in the space. Cars are required to have this OBD port. Um, and Interesting. And signals for the vehicle kind of run over this CAN bus, um, and this just plugs in and draws from that. If you go to get your car, you go to like the dealership and they want to see what your engine codes are, what's going on with your vehicle. Like they plug into the same port, they plug in the device. This effectively is the same type of thing. Um, and it's just, it's passively listening um, while your car is driving to things like fuel, location, um, engine speed, like RPMs and stuff like that, the load on your engine. Can even tell like the ambient temperature outside your vehicle, all That's kinds of wild. stuff. It, it, it's it's very the, we're limited mainly by our ability to decipher what's coming off the CAN bus because um, we can actually get like 170 different data points. And we're right now we're focused on like VIN, odometer, fuel, yeah. and yeah. and uh, and speed. And uh, we can this has a GPS and accelerometer on it for acceleration and location. So. So that's that's the device. Um, that bigger one is a LTE device. The other one uh, sends data over Helium's network, so it compresses the data down quite a bit and and sends it in a very small payload uh, on the Helium IoT network. But the connectivity is incredibly cheap uh, for that other one. And yeah, users who connect can access their data in the Demo Mobile app, and they can uh, share it, and they earn uh, some Demo tokens every week just for staying connected. It's so cool. What's I want to take a step back here. How did you you mentioned you started this. You and the team started this with a problem. Was there a specific issue as a whole that you know, like th- there's seems like there's a multitude of problems that you guys are providing solutions for. Was there one specific one? What was that like aha moment when you guys came together? And yeah, were like, man, this is such a no brainer. Yeah, there's a bit of that like in, the like, industry uh, and, and mobility network hasn't or, or economy rather hasn't you know had a revolution hasn't leveled up in so long. Like what was that aha moment that made you guys make this? So. Uh, the other three co-founders were already together. It really started with our CEO and CTO linked up first. Um, and they were doing a bunch of different projects. One thing they were trying to do, and actually I still think is one of the coolest, um, the first pivot of Demo was a, you would 3D map a parking garage, you would mount sensors everywhere and then communicate with self-driving vehicles where to go and how to navigate a parking garage so you could just have a self-valet parking garage. You get out at the front, your car goes parks itself in the garage, you utilize space better, <laughs> and the car comes back out. And one of the biggest challenges with that is like, okay, well, maybe you could build that for like just Teslas or just, yeah. you know, but how do you make this across? How, how does the for Ford everyone. talk to the Chevy inside the parking garage? Yeah. Like ask the Ford to pull out so the Chevy can go and then the Ford pulls back. Like, how do you build all that? So that was the first one where it's like, that's a bit of a challenge. There's not a lot of standardization. There's a problem here. Uh, but 
that, that idea was killed because of COVID and nobody was driving anywhere. Parking garages did not care about this type of stuff. They were, there were some like pilots right. brewing, but then that yeah. kind of killed that. Then later on, there was another project where Andy and Yev, uh, and I think Alex had joined them at this point, were trying to acquire electric vehicle battery data for a client and they, they couldn't get it. And they were actually, they actually sourced a bunch of these devices and we're just going to pay people cash to plug them in and subscribe to the the battery data for the car and just see how they're performing in the real world. And it's like, why limit it to just that? Like, you know, why, why have every, everybody who wants to answer one question has to go and install these things in a bunch of different cars. Why not just make a universal platform for it? Mining, they were mining helium at the same time and kind of like, what if we took this model over here and this model over here? And that's when they called me up. Um, Andy and I worked together in Las Vegas, um, him, our COO, and I had all done Venture for America. So Andrew Yang's uh, program before he ran for president was uh, placing people straight out of college into startups over the country. So the three of us knew each other from that. Um, and uh, so they, they brought me in. And uh, I thought, you know, I, I had the chance to go be the founder of a couple. There, there, when you're at consensus, things always come up. And I, I could have gone and tried to start something else with other folks and, you know, whatever. Uh, but this was the first one where I was like, man, I really couldn't see how this could be solved without blockchain. What a cool use case. This yeah. is something that I like would just be excited to see exist. I want to go work on it. And I was kind of drawn to it versus like other projects where it's like, do you really need a token for that? Is this really a, you know, is that really a blockchain thing? Is it, is it going to move the needle forward if, <laughs> even if you succeed? So, so uh, it was an obvious answer for me. And then I joined and that was kind of the, the genesis of it. And the rest is history. That's so cool. Rob, we got to take a quick break and give a huge shout out to our sponsor of the show, Prime XPT. And when we get back, we're going to keep buzzing on Demo and because we barely scratched the surface. And we got to talk about Deepin, one of the trendiest topics in all of the crypto sphere at the moment. Until then, huge shout out to Prime XPT, longtime friends of cryptonews.com and longtime sponsors of the Crypto News podcast. We love the team at Prime XPT as they offer a robust trading system for both beginners and professional traders, always demanding and giving you highly reliable market data and performance. It doesn't matter if you're a rookie or a vet, you can always design and customize your layouts and widgets. The promo code is CryptoNews50. That is CryptoNews50, all one word, to receive 50% of your deposit credited to your trading account. Again, that is CryptoNews50, all one word, CryptoNews50, to receive 50% of your deposit credited to your trading account. Now back to the show with Rob. Rob, we got to jump into Deepin right now. Deepin is sort of the underlying tech narrative acronym that you and the team are using to make this happen, to allow the vehicles to speak and pull data, to enrich the app, the ecosystem, just make everything happen. I'd love if you could give just a quick primer of Deepin, and then we'll talk about how you guys are using that over at Timo. Yeah, I mean, I think that the name is appropriate for for what it is, you know, de- decentralized physical infrastructure network. So the, the key bit of that being, you know, physical now, where do you draw the line on that? Like, I mean, I don't know. I guess Bitcoin is a physical infrastructure network. It has miners all over the world, you know? So it's yeah. like, what? where exactly do you draw the line? I think it's, it's expanded a little bit over time. I think initially it was, well, initially there was DY, which was like helium and, and wireless networks building yeah. out, you know, wireless connectivity. People would install sensors all over the, or um, uh, hotspots all over the world. And that would allow people to create wireless networks. Again, that's what we were inspired by. And but we're not building a wireless network. We're building 
like a vehicle network and you have all these real world cars and you see other projects, Physical Hive Mapper doing something. Yeah, exactly. You yeah. see Hive Mapper doing something the, similar. The, the P. Um, yeah, you know, there's there's a couple in this category of sensor networks where where we we fit in, Hive Mapper fits in. Maybe you'd put like teleport in there as well, which is like maybe one level up of like they're building like a, a decentralized Web three Uber kind of thing. People are doing this with drones and other kinds of things, three D printers. Um, there's decentralized like compute networks, and and so that was actually one of like the earlier, it's like storage file coin, um, render, you know, where you're kind of borrowing compute resources from machines all over the world. That that seems to have kind of found its way into the deep end circle, and of course, you know, DY and. I think that those are kind of like the main pillars. I'm sure there's, you know, people will include more than just that in the the, the little, you know, mind maps of Deepin that you'll see, you know, circulated. But I think that's the defining characteristic. Physical infrastructure is deployed, incentivized by tokens um, to build out a more peer-to-peer style network. What's the importance? And and again, this is more for the listeners here because I get asked this when rarely family, more friends or someone in my network says, hey, been on Twitter recently, see Deepin popping off, can you explain it to me? And that's one of the things that I always tell them. The peer-to-peer aspect is massive because this isn't like, you know, for example, you guys where you could pick car company X, Y, or Z, where you go to that company and use their infrastructure, use their ecosystem without the people, without the peers giving to the peers and talking to the peers and interacting with the peers. This whole thing doesn't work. It's the same with any other companies similar to HiveMapper, who obviously wants to do something talking to each other as well. What's the importance of the whole peer-to-peer aspect of this as a whole? Like, I'd love yeah. if you could explain how, without the people talking to the people, this whole thing can't work. I don't know. Was it was it like Naval or Balaji or I, I forget who who kind of made this like tweet thread that has been reposted a lot? But this whole like the biggest taxi company. Has no taxis like Uber, like the biggest yes, hotel company, yes. Airbnb has no hotel Airbnb, rooms, like right, yeah. and about yeah. leverage and all that kind of stuff. I think this is just like the next iteration of that. It's like a more fair version of that. Like the, you know, the biggest vehicle network has no vehicles, right? Like you know, with where Demo's going, the biggest you know wireless network, Helium, you know, in their future, um, you know, owns no cell towers, you know, that kind of thing. I love that model, and I think we have the opportunity to build better and more fair networks that way. Um, the you know with 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 blockchain because ultimately with you know Uber for example like if you're one of the early drivers if you're an early power user you referred 500 people you know doesn't like okay you got a credit you know you you, you made maybe a little bit more money early, in the early days but like you don't own any bit of it now you don't have any say in where it goes and uh, you know. Uh, an executive team has built a moat and they can just like decide hey we're gonna cut driver rates in half tomorrow. And you're going to deal with it because you have no other option, right? And yeah. and we're and we are the only show in town. Whereas when you build a more blockchain-based network, I mean, there's there's forkability, sure. There's 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 you know governance through the token and all that. But really, what we're building at Demo, it's like our users, our hardware manufacturers, like the people who participate, are the owners of this network, um, and um, they're being. It's a, it's a step beyond just giving like a ride credit, you know, like that the Uber did when you refer people. So. I think that makes it a lot more compelling, and um, and and the protocol nature of it, the the kind of blockchain nature of it, the forkability aspect of it, makes it a little bit more neutral as well. So that's that's where I think this is a a level up for that business model. 
I love that. I, I know we can't divulge too much into this, just SEC and you know everything FINRA and regulatory related, but I'd love if you could talk about how participants of the ecosystem get demo tokens and uh, and you know how how they plug in yeah. the, the demo machine, the car gives the data, and in return they get tokens. I'd love if you could sort of talk about how that economy works. Yeah, right now there's a baseline reward, and it's called baseline because like if you connect and you drive that week, you receive data from your car that week, it stays, you know, it's a verified connection, then you earn your share of, right now it's a little bit under a million. It goes down by 15% uh, every year. So we just had our first decrease in December, and next December it'll go down 15% again. But that's split kind of across all participants, and the percentage of that that you get depends on how many people are connected. It depends on how you connected. Like somebody who's had one of these things connected for 50 weeks is going to earn more than somebody who just connected their car with software last week. Um, right. Proportionally. So, so that's, that's the main way people earn today. You can also earn, you know, there, there's a, a marketplace in our mobile app. And when you book service, when you buy new tires, that kind of stuff, you get some, reward back in demo tokens really trying to kind of make the the token like an airline reward point for your car people are used to like getting reward points from delta that you can use to book flights and things like that or amex you can use to you know buy hotels whatever um so we want people to be able to think of of the the token as something like that for themselves in the future there's all kinds of um, ideas being kicked around by the community developers are building different things someone just deployed um, a proof of concept of like a demo credit where you can um, burn demo tokens to mint a stable credit that could be used to you know, be the unit of account to pay for data. Um, in the future, when people build applications on top of demo, they will be uh, spending something, probably not actually needing to hold the token because we don't want like Toyota or others to have to like hold cryptocurrency. But when they acquire data, it will result in some tokens going back to the protocol, some going back to the users, yeah. some going back to the people storing the data for them. And so there's real utility for it, pretty much, you know, like other blockchain projects, like like ETH with its gas fees and and so on. So, um, and EIP fifteen fifty nine, their burn things. So, um, yeah, you you can expect similar types of primitives to emerge with Demo that uh, ex- kind of expand what the token can be used for. And uh, yeah, already it can be used for quite a bit today. I love that. We got to talk about ETH. You're a big ETH guy. Worked at Consensus. You had a great tweet not too long ago on the reports of Ethereum's death being greatly over-exaggerated. You and I are in the same camp here. This is just classic Web3, classic crypto. Yeah. And the price doesn't go up like the others. Everyone shits on the coin. Everyone's shitting on ETH right now. My only thing about ETH, still gas fees, no bueno, way too high. Um, it still kills you when the network's congested. You, I mean, you're hooped, especially when you were onboarding someone from the land of Web2 and they come on and they go, wait, so I have USDT in my wallet. I want to send it to someone else, but I can't send it because I don't have ETH. You know, a couple, couple little nuances here and there that definitely make it friction city population us. But I'd love if you can, uh, I'd love if you could sort of talk about that report from Polygon and, uh, and why you tweeted that out. The other, the other side of that, you might assume that anybody saying that the reports of ETH's death are exaggerated would mean that they therefore think Solana is useless, like is being the main other smart contract chain people are talking about. I, I like Solana still. Um, I think they're both interesting. I am, I would say I probably do have an EVM bias, uh, which for reasons I can get into, I like to think it's about objective, you know, facts of it, but you know, there, I, I have a history. 
with consensus and and having built on it. So maybe maybe I do have more of a just you know irrational bias towards it. But um, I think some of the stuff that Solana is doing is really cool. And uh, I'm definitely more of a demo maxi than anything. Like I care about demo success, <laughs> and if demo success is improved by moving to Solana, then then I would support that. Um, yeah. The the here here are the the there's a couple different things I think any developer or you know people need to consider. There's obviously a cost and security, and we don't need to really get that far into that yeah, right now. Everyone gets that. Um, yeah. You know the cost the cost discussion is a little bit. Obscured, like Solana is subsidizing transactions more than Ethereum. Ethereum is deflating right now. Solana is inflating. I don't think that inflation is crazy, but you know it's worth pointing out that like there is somebody else helping to pay for each transaction on Solana, but it's very fast. But there's security. But is security good enough? I'm not really you know qualified away on that. I think it's all kind of fine. Um, the other really interesting thing, so being a consensus for four years, I kind of got to see a bunch of different chapters. And when I, when I was joining, it was like the ICO boom. It was a bunch of people thinking crypto was ready for mainstream. It was pre-crypto kitties. Like we didn't even know that the blockchain would just break itself when it got popular. Um, so so we saw a lot of like direct-to-consumer stuff trying to get built. And they were building it like without hard hat, without, you know, us mature Infura and Alchemy, without ET. Like it was so hard and, and wallets were way worse and you know yeah. to build a cool product that people like it's not good enough to just deploy some cool smart contracts and a good UI you, you want to have robust infrastructure around and also too like it's easier if you don't have to develop those smart contracts if you can just pull some open Zeppelin contracts off the shelf they've been audited um, they've been battle tested in other applications I'm just going to kind of reuse these these standard contracts these standard things Solana just I think today published like a bunch of extensions you know that are like they call them extensions, but really it's something like, you know, vetted, like official, uh, you know, uh, contracts that you can use on your, that just make it easier to deploy certain types of, you know, tokens, or whatever. All that stuff is super helpful. And not just like the, you know, back end stuff, but even the front end stuff. Like we don't want to build a governance voting platform. We want you to be able to go to Snapshot and, and yeah. log in there and vote there. And the reason we picked uh, Polygon was, Whenever you go to any of these websites, and especially two years ago when we chose Polygon, um, and you click in the top right corner for where it says Ethereum, and there's a drop down, Polygon was always like the next one. Now it's like you know optimism based Arbitrum, but it's like still those are the ones that are guaranteed to be there. Maybe you get Avalanche, but maybe not. Yeah. And, and then if you if you're on Avalanche, you have to go find a different solution. But like that was the it's like with Polygon, it's like all these applications will just work. Oh, there's a cool you know real world asset lending protocol being built by someone else that could be used to take out car loans that we can go talk to. Guess what? They're deployed on Polygon. It makes it a lot easier. Uh, you know. Yeah. So so that was that was a big stick to the kind core. Of yes. Motivation stick to behind the core the and if, there. if you need to take from others. No. Right. Good point. And um so but I will say, you know, since then Solana, like the amount of deep end projects moving on to Solana has been impressive. The the kind of staying power of Solana has been impressive. So um, I wouldn't write them off, you know, by any means. Um, and and they continue to make progress. They're they're, I think, doing a lot of things very well. The part of what I was really um, starting to get confused about, and and you know, still have some questions about, is like the future of a kind of modular L2, L3, L a million blockchain <laughs> ecosystem as opposed to like a more monolithic one. And I think Solana does some interesting things. They're multi-threaded. They have this like CPI thing to make sure that, you know, you're not executing 
the same smart contract on different threads, which kind of lets them preserve characteristics of uh, a monolithic chain without having the, the UX downside of having in, in like having to bridge between you know different L2s. Um, and that really bummed me out about you know kind of where Ethereum was going. It's like, I want you to be able to take your car on Demo and attach other things to the vehicle issued by some other protocol and take out a yeah. loan against it and bundle and take your, you know, your home deed, which is on like base or optimism or whatever, package the two together, take out a loan against both, repackage that instrument into like another drip, you know, like I, I, this, this whole money Legos and expands beyond money Legos. Like it's just, just, you know, the Lego, the composability Lego thing, you can build such solid, unstoppable, like perfect applications on blockchain because like, unlike the real world, but if you keep stringing these things together and one goes down, it all kind of falls apart. Like you can build these blockchain applications in such a way that as long as the blockchain is running and they all work, you know, like all the, all these co- recombinations of DeFi stuff, as long as the blockchain is running, those smart contracts will, will work. And I guess you have to worry about uh, smart contract exploits or whatever, but they'll be there. You know, the team, the team can disappear off the face of the earth and that pro- that contract will continue to exist. So I love that aspect of blockchains. It seems like we're kind of getting away from it a little bit. I'm really excited about what Polygon's doing as it relates to when, yep. one, their ZK tech, uh, but two, this whole like idea of aggregation and, and the ability to kind of build apps that, if the, the key thing in that, that, that post I linked is like, it feels like a monolithic blockchain. It feels like you're interacting with one chain. You don't have to get ETH on multiple L2s in order to clear a transaction. You don't have to worry about where the other person's wallet is. And uh, if they can deliver on that, I would be... I'd be a happy, happy guy. I love that. Rob, you've absolutely been on fire today. We are getting a little tight for time. One last question and then we will wrap up. Give me some 2024 trends. Doesn't have to be good, can be bad, but give me some 2024 crypto trends that are tickling your fancy at the moment. Things that you think will really help us out uh, towards the end of the year. I think it's got to be UX and and more mainstream things. Um, the There's been a lot of attention on wallets, a lot of VCs funding wallet companies, a lot of people doing interesting things with account abstraction, even, you know, incumbents with passkeys, like it seems to be some broader adoption of authentication technology. And so if we can get to a point where the wallet experience gets really good, gets really seamless, you can use wallets across applications. You don't have to have these clunky secondary wallets and, you know, breaks down when you try to deep, you know, go from one app to bounce to the wallet and then back. If we can make that experience better, um, make it simpler and more safe for people, I think we can really start to get to, um, you know, mainstream apps at the every that your mom, you know, would be happy to use. Um, yeah. And you already see that a little bit, you know, Blackbird, the guys from Resi launched one recently. And other than like having the dollar sign before fly, that's like, you know, dollar sign fly is what you earn in there. If it weren't for the dollar sign, you might not even realize it's a crypto app. You don't really see the wallet or anything. I think they're using Privy behind the scenes. But that is the thing that I think in 24, I, I thought we weren't going to have another bull market until that was, I was surprised at how much, uh, how quickly we kind of bounced back. But I thought that was going to be the thing that's going to unlock the bull market. I still think it's needed as, as the next thing. I love that. Rob, what an episode. Really appreciate you coming on. Uh, before we let you go. Can you please let our listeners know where they can find you and Demo online and on socials? Yeah, I'm Rob M. Solomon everywhere. So R-O-B-M-S-O-L-O-M-O-N on Twitter, on Discord. Yeah, it's demo.xyz is the website. You can find links to our Discord and everything there. It's uh, at demo underscore network on Twitter. 
It's probably the best place to kind of just subscribe to updates. And yeah, come find us in the metaverse. Uh, DriveDemo.com to buy a device and connect your car. Demo Mobile in the App Store on iOS and Android. You can get connected pretty quickly. I definitely recommend. It's, it's a great one to try out. It's a great one to show to people who are less familiar with crypto and want to have a good experience trying something new. And last question here, I totally forgot to ask. You guys are currently all sold out of the devices. One of those bad boys back in stock. Uh, very soon. We we have we should have more of the smaller device back in stock next week. And the bigger one, I expect, will have be fulfilling orders again within two to three months. Amazing. Rob, what an episode. Really appreciate you coming on. Uh, and at the current rate that you guys are building and shipping, we will definitely have to do round two in, within the next couple of months. And uh, truly a treat. Appreciate your time and can't wait for the next one. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Talk to you soon. Folks, what an episode with Rob Solomon, co-founder of Demo. Absolute treat of an episode. Everything deep in DAOs, building the future of mobility. And of course, everything Demo related. Rob brought the heat knowledge bombs left right and center really appreciate that we'd love to see it if you guys enjoyed this one i hope you did please do subscribe it would mean the world to my team and i speaking to the team love you guys you stas you're the man appreciate you and back to the listeners keep on growing those bags and keep on staying healthy wealthy and happy bye for now and we'll talk soon